G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, we do always love a catch-up with Ron Ross on a Tuesday. Ron, who's been checking on those breaking news headlines overnight from those stories that are in the headlines around the world, but dealing specifically with issues that are burgeoning in the Middle East and as especially they affect the nation of Israel. Ron's back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's start with one of the more significant headlines overnight. A former Israeli government minister has been arrested for spying for Iran. What's the story? Yeah, a former Israeli government minister, once imprisoned for trying to smuggle drugs, is back behind bars after being charged with spying for archenemy Iran, the country's internal security agency, Shin Bet, said last night. The Shin Bet said Gonan Segev was extradited from Guinea and arrested upon arrival in Israel last month on suspicion of committing offences of assisting the enemy in war and spying against the State of Israel. It said Segev, a former energy minister, acted as an agent for Iranian intelligence and relayed information connected to the energy market and security sites in Israel including buildings and officials in political and security organizations. Segev, who served in the cabinet under Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin in the mid-1990s, was arrested in 2004 for attempting to smuggle 32,000 ecstasy tablets from the Netherlands to Israel using an expired diplomatic passport. Segev, a former doctor whose medical license was revoked, was released from prison in 2007 and had been living in Africa in recent years. The Shin Bet said Segev met with his operators twice in Iran and also met with Iranian agents in hotels and apartments around the world. Well, there's always someone looking over your shoulder and sometimes with real necessity. Let's talk about one of the other headlines, Ron. Uh, The Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and King Abdullah II of Jordan, they met yesterday in Amman. In what was an unannounced visit, uh, the meeting with King Abdullah uh, was very important in Netanyahu's mind. And according to a statement from his office, The two men discussed regional developments and advancing the peace process and bilateral relations. I'm led to believe one of the main topics was encouraging Mahmoud Abbas to listen to the American peace plan. Uh, Jared Kushner and Jason Greenblatt, U.S. officials uh, in Israel, and they're trying to negotiate a deal uh, to bring peace in the Middle East. The Prime Minister's office said that Netanyahu reiterated in his meeting with Abdullah Israel's commitment to maintaining the status quo at the holy sites in Jerusalem, an issue of great sensitivity to the Jordanian king. 
Ron, the British have given a bit of an ultimatum to the United Nations. Uh, The United Nations Human Rights Council, uh, a six-month ultimatum, and the accusation, of course, is they need to cease anti-Israel bias. Uh, How's that headline unfolding? Well, it happened yesterday. Great Britain notified uh, the UN that they will vote against anti-Israel resolutions unless the United Nations Human Rights Council stops its bias. Britain Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson took issues specifically on Monday, yesterday, with the UNHRC mandate that it debate the Israeli-Palestinian conflict at each session under Agenda Item 7. We share the view that a dedicated agenda item focused solely on Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories is disproportionate and damaging to the cause of peace, Johnson said. Now, this, the timing of this decision uh, is very interesting. The U.S. and Israel have long lobbied for the elimination of Agenda Item 7. There had been some speculation that the U.S. would appeal to the United Nations General Assembly. Uh, and now to have Britain come out in support is very interesting. Uh, but... I have it on good advice that the United States may leave the United Nations Human Rights Council as early as Monday, June 25, after talks about reforming the organization, organization broke down. A U.S. source speaking on condition of anonymity said that the withdrawal appeared to be imminent but gave no details. Well, I think that's very significant. No doubt we'll monitor that one along as that date draws closer. Something else close to home, where we've got the Australian Foreign Minister, Julie Bishop, uh, in the headlines this week in Israel. She reportedly intervened to stop uh, the move of the Australian Embassy to Jerusalem. How does that headline unfold? The Australian Liberal Party's 60th Annual Federal Council in Sydney spearheaded by the party's youth arm, last week voted 43 to 31 to urge the government to relocate its embassy to Jerusalem and freeze financial aid to the Palestinian Authority until it stops paying salaries to terrorists and their families. The vote should have resulted in government action, according to the Israeli press, seeing as the Liberal Party, headed by Malcolm Turnbull, has been in power since 2015. But instead, Australia's Foreign Minister, Julie Bishop, ruled out both resolutions, stressing there was no chance she would adopt them as her policy. While I understand the sentiment behind this resolution, the Australian government will not be moving our embassy to Jerusalem, uh, Julie Bishop said. She said Jerusalem is a final status issue, and we've maintained that position for decades. As to the salaries to the uh, Palestinian Authority that they're paying to the terrorists, Bishop said she has been in communication with the Palestinian Authority Foreign Minister to make sure the money we give and send to Ramallah, an estimated $43 million, will only be spent, she said, on good things. And we'll certainly be following that one along too uh, as things begin to develop with that, Ron. Another one, just uh, quickly, on something of a different sort of a note. The Israeli Defence Forces have a unique system 
to allow Christian Arabs to serve in Israel's military. It seems unusual, but what's the story there? Well, frankly, this is an amazing story. The Israel Defense Forces has launched a unique program for Israeli Arab Christians, which enables them to integrate into the army and serve Israel. The Nakshon Platoon consists of 24 Arabic-speaking Christians who volunteered to join the IDF based on one motivation, to contribute to the State of Israel. After years of low draft percentages among the Arabic-speaking Christian community in Israel, no more than a dozen draftees a year, things have now changed. In the latest draft class, 24 soldiers of the Arabic-speaking Christian community volunteered. The motivated soldiers began their military service with a three-week preparatory program at the Mishbe Alon training base in Israel's north to overcome their biggest challenge, speaking Hebrew. The Nakshon platoon was established especially for the Arab-speaking Christian population in Israel. The preparations for the culminating ceremony make me very emotional, said Lieutenant Sapir, commander of the EL company. They're amazing soldiers, and their Hebrew has improved incredibly. Now, the interesting thing for me is the name Nakshon Platoon. The name is a carefully chosen one. According to Hebrew tradition, Nashon was the man who was first to step into the Red Sea as God parted the waters to make way for a relieved people. According to the book of Numbers, he was at least 20 years old during the census in Sinai during the Exodus. Nashon was appointed by Moses upon God's command as prince and military commander of the tribe of Judah and one of the leaders of the tribe of Israel. Nashon was through Boaz, the direct male ancestor of David, and thus of Solomon, and all of the kings of the kingdom of Judah. He was exactly halfway in the direct male line between Judah and King David. Nashon is also mentioned in the New Testament in the genealogy of Jesus. How about that? That is quite amazing. And uh, you would think not by some coincidence that that outfit would be named after him. It's amazing the expectation the IDF has for their Christian Arab soldiers. Yeah. Well, Ron, always informative, always insightful. Thank you so much for scouring the headlines as you do and bringing us an update as to those breaking news items that are coming out of Israel and the Middle East. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.